Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. All right, so I'm Kristen. Um, you might know me a little bit better around the internet as Are You Kristen? Um, or Rue Kristen. Apparently, that's how <laughs> a lot of people think it's pronounced, which I think is really funny. Um, <laughs> so, no, um, it's Are You Kristen? And the name came about uh, because that's how I started my first blog. Um, my first blog was actually just like yours, Amanda. I needed to create a blog as a project for my uh my final my final in my women's and gender studies class as a, a freshman at Rutgers University was to create a a project that would impact the world and I created a blog about women's issues and talking about women and giving them a voice and that's kind of funny because that was like 11 years ago and I still have a blog doing that right now. And so I really liked how you did your story chronologically, but um, my story has so many moving parts about how, like, how did I get here that I'm going to take a couple of different chronological paths. I have a school path. I have a scrapbooking path, and then I have an internet path, Um, because I've always been on the internet, and I think that's a huge part about, a huge part of my crafting life is my internet life, Um, especially as a blogger and a internet community organizer, so uh, we'll get a little bit, we'll get back to the internet part a little bit later, Um, but I want to talk about scrapbooking. Because I love scrapbooking. And um super nerdy about it. Because I've always loved scrapbooking. Like, started scrapbooking as a an English project in English class. Because I had a fantastic high school English teacher. Um, every other part of high school sucked. Basically, all school sucked for me. Grammar school, middle school, high school. It was terrible. Um, opposite from you, I had a great college experience. I... Yeah loved not being told what to do. Um, I had a great time picking all of my own classes and uh, kind of going my own way. And like, I was a huge fan of all of the freedom they gave me. And I I did really well with that. Um, But but high school, high school sucked. High school was literally the worst, Um, except uh, except for a few things. And this English teacher was one of them. Um, and she came up with the best projects, the best ways for us to interact with different literatures. And, uh, one of the ways that I interacted with one of the pieces of literature was to create a scrapbook. And so I created my first scrapbook as a scrapbook for a character in literature. And I went to AC Moore and I picked up some scrapbook paper and some stickers and I just kept going... (laughs) 
I just kept going back to AC Moore and picking up more scrapbook paper and more stickers. And then I used it in some social studies projects. And then I just used it to scrapbook my own life. And then I just kept scrapbooking more of my own life. And then like my first job was at a scrapbook store. And then high school was over and that was amazing. And then I got to go to college and college was wonderful. And in college, I worked at a scrapbook store as like a shop girl. Um, I taught classes. I was on the design team for another scrapbook store. And like my scrapbook life was very much like a huge hobby when I was in college. Like I had a store that I went to every Saturday night. I would leave at like six o'clock. I'd pack my car up and I would go and crop at the scrapbook store with like a bunch of other people till like one or two o'clock in the morning. Can we pause and and talk about what a crop is? Because I always used to hear that in the scrapbooking community, but I never cropped. (laughs) Well, so, right. So this is, it's funny because like, there's not a lot of places to crop in New York City because like (laughs) you need a lot of space to scrapbook and especially like cropping. So cropping is when you get together and scrapbook, like it's, like community scrapbooking like imagine like a bingo hall of like (laughs) i don't want to say old people but like (laughs) old people you know senior citizens and like everyone gets their own six foot table and everyone brings all of their scrapbooking things and like sits there in scrapbooks oh you you know what it is okay so like i don't know if you've ever heard the term stitch and bitch um this is so like it's in like knitting and crochet circles where you like get together it's like book club okay but like you knit or crochet it's women get together and they do their craft and have a girls night out cute um yeah some girls would bring wine some girls would we get takeout from like that was the best thing like we'd literally like <laughs> get takeout from like oh my god we get takeout from cheesecake factory we get takeout from like just everywhere like the best places and we just scrapbook inside the scrapbook store but there's no swapping and cropping i used to think like that meant bring your stuff and swap not no not that wasn't the point of inherently yeah that wasn't right that's not that's not inherently the point of it but there is a lot of sharing there's a lot of like oh that's pretty paper i think you know that would look perfect on your page over here why don't you take this scrap or hey do you have an extra s or an extra e um so often you need them and the best part is like doing it in the store so like when you need an extra like piece of paper you need a whatever you just get up out of your seat and go buy things um fantastic that's how i spent a lot of my saturday nights in college um nerding out at the scrapbook store with the ladies uh (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm just so cool. It's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and a lo- the other part of my scrapbook life was online. While I was in college, I had uh, an online presence. I was blogging. Um, part of my bl- I kept up my blog that I had started as a freshman in college. Um, I guess it was a lifestyle blog, as literally all blogs in some way are. Uh, my degree and what I was studying was political science and women's and gender studies. So there was a lot of 
you know, what's going on in the world right now, what's going on in my world right now, and my world was about, like, current events and scrapbooking and, like, selfies. So that's what was on my blog. <laughs> and so it, it was a lot of my scrapbook projects, and when you're posting your scrapbook projects, you, like, kind of find other people who are also posting their scrapbook projects, or, you know, you find people that you want to share your scrapbook projects with because like if you're posting them on the internet you're kind of hoping that you can share them with people because like i mean you've done them so you see them so just posting them on the internet for yourself isn't really that's kind of pointless so once you put them on your blog you want to share them with people so i was a member of several different scrapbook forums like two peas was a big scrapbook forum back in the day um that one was a little too like wild wild west for me in what um, way it was huge like it was really 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 like they had tens of thousands of members mm. and it was like i didn't have like if you wanted to be an integral part of the two piece community you needed to like invest a lot of your time and like i did not i mean i had like three jobs in mm. college and i was a full-time college student I didn't have 40 hours a week to sit on two peas and, like, also, like, craft. It was one thing to, like, be a scrapbooker and then take pictures of your scrapbooks and then put them on your blog and then find people to share them with. And then on top of that, have, yes. like, 40 or 50 hours a week to spend time interacting with another community. Like, that's it's – a, it's a lot of work to spend time interacting online. Yes. And, like, I know – one of the first things we talked about is how social media is like very draining at times. And like, that's especially true with like internet 1.0 when like it was really hard to interact with other people right, on the internet. For sure. Not as user. And so there were a couple, there were a couple of smaller forums that I frequented. Um, the main one being one, the main one, being called Scrap Freak, which isn't around anymore, but it was a it was a big part of my life when I was in college. Uh, when I was 21, I bought myself an airplane ticket, and I hopped a flight to Wisconsin and got in a car with a bunch of these girls that I had met on this forum, and we went to a weekend crop at, like, I mean, like, I think it was a Holiday Inn Express, so, like, just, like, literally, like, those commercials, and we just had a girls weekend in the middle of nowhere wisconsin i mean like ultra culture shock like oh my god so super culture shock <laughs> <laughs> we went to a bar the mixed drinks were two dollars and fifty cents no <laughs> i like i just i can't even like i i i i kept being like this is a joke right <laughs> like you're kidding right like what this is this isn't real and now like living in michigan it's J jeff and i joke because it's the half price state um <laughs> which i need to visit then i'm like you know okay so like seriously t this is a psa for everyone out there <laughs> if you want to live a more relaxed easier life where things cost a lot less money move out to the midwest <laughs> Things really are half price out here. <laughs> so I hear. The cost of living is exponentially lower. 
And if you live in a college town, like East Lansing, Michigan, Ann Arbor, well, Ann Arbor's a lot more expensive than East Lansing, but like here, it's quite a wonderful place to live. <laughs> That's um, fabulous to know. It is, it is really, it is really wonderful. For a struggling and, crafty uh, person. But what I found so, yeah. what I found so interesting so far is how all your early experiencing experiences with like scrapbooking and crafting was sort of in like a group. Like it was a way for you to be with a group. And for me, yeah. it was yeah, so you're lonely. Small, solo. It's yes, all it was a, like, so, okay. So like, this is funny. I'm glad that you brought this up because like the next part that I wanted to talk about is like, I got a lot of pushback. So I got like, um, like people were really shitty to me. Who? Like, no, not when, so like the, this is, which is why I liked Scrap Freak the best. Cause Scrap Freak, I've made like actual friends that I'm like still women. I'm still friends with. Right. Oh. Um, but like other people and like some local crops, uh, like, and other women in general were like, I literally wrote this down so that I wouldn't forget. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're not really a scrapbooker anyway, cause you don't have kids, right? <gasps> um, <laughs> you know, like, um, aren't you just being selfish? Why are you doing this anyway if nobody cares? Um, you know, you're just a narcissist, right? Um, were these uh, other you know scrapbookers like, or were these people yes, that didn't These craft? were literally women, like women who came up to me in person at crops. I was literally scrapbooking. I was actually scrapbooking in my fucking scrapbook. So we're going to have to have like, this is going to be one of those 18 plus expletive episodes Liz Gilbert Liz Gilbert's podcast says this is these are two adults having adult conversations so expect adult language and I love that (laughs) it's these women like like vivid memories of like two women just coming up to me and being like you know you're not a real scrapbooker and like if you don't have kids what's the point like no one's gonna look at these and no one cares why are you even doing this oh my god the early version of trolls it wasn't even on the internet I mean like what is wrong with you yeah and so like that's when i decided like okay there needs to be a place for people like me and other people who want to scrapbook their lives because like let's let's take a break here and say i would kill to have a scrapbook of like my mom's stuff from my age or my grandmother's stuff from my age or their like my mom's grandmother's stuff from my age so like what I'm doing is not selfish. What I'm doing is not narcissistic. I am documenting my life because no one else is going to do it. Right. It is my responsibility. There's so much more narcissism in scrapbooking other people's lives and expecting other people to care and almost... There's so much more narcissism in expecting other people to do things than doing things for yourself. I agree. And just also maybe mind your own business. <laughs> To sum it up, would you say that that kind of like that is a crazy interesting interaction to me? And I, a question I've always had for you is like kind of where feminist scrapbooking originated. Like that's I feel like anytime I think of those two words together, I think of you, and I feel like that's the answer. It was yeah, like it's it's definitely a, a big part of it. Is like don't tell me what to do with my own life like don't tell me not to put a picture of myself on a piece of paper (laughs) don't like don't do that that's a bad idea like i i don't even 
I, I, like, I see it right now. I like see myself at this table and these two women in front of me. And like, that's the biggest one. Yeah. But there was other people like there's discussion. I remember discussions on two P's. I remember like just having conversations around this of like, what is the point of scrapbooking if you're not scrapbooking your children? And I think that's such a devastating conversation to have because one, you're excluding so many women, like women who choose not to have children, women who can't have children, women who have lost children. Like, my God, how, like, where is your empathy? Where is your compassion? Like, yeah, crazy. There's, there, there needs to be a space for all women, no matter what your stories look like, no matter what your life looks like. Like, and like, so this is where my wonderful college experience, like, so I always thought that I would go into law. I um, set myself up to be a lawyer. Um, my undergrad education is in political science and women's and gender studies. So I thought that I would be a women's rights lawyer. Then when it started to be time to take the LSATs and look at law schools, I started soliciting opinions from all of the lawyers I know, and I got hands down the exact same advice from every single one of them. Do not go to law school. Do not become a lawyer. It will be the worst decision you've ever made. <laughs> Don't do it. I, I am, I am, I like, I was offended by the first one. I was very offended by the second one because these were all men. And, until I, the first handful were men. And I really thought it was like a sexist thing at first. I really thought that it was like, oh no, you're a little girl. You mm -hmm. shouldn't be a lawyer. You just can't handle mm -hmm. it. Which no, almost I, made you want to do it literal. more. Right, exactly. Yeah. I was like, screw you, I can I can be a great lawyer. And I'm sure I would have been a great lawyer. Um, but would have the problem is is I would have been and I want I would have wanted to be and I always would have been the type of lawyer that works ninety hours a week and gets paid thirty thousand dollars a year and that is not really sustainable. That, that's yeah, exactly. That's not sustainable. And I mean, like, when I finally, like, sat down and talked to, like, my grandmother was devastated. Oh my God. Because it was, like, it was also, like, right after my grandfather passed away. And she was, like, oh, my God. My grandmother's, like, my hero, too. So, like, when she, she was, like, crying. She was, like, your grandfather? Oh. He wanted you to be a lawyer? He was so proud of you? I'm, like, oh, my God. And I was, like, Grandma... I totally understand. I know, but like, I really don't want to take out a hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> in student loans for a job that's going to pay me thirty-five thousand dollars a year. I just don't think it's a good idea. And she's like, "Well, that makes sense." <laughs> I was like, "It does, right? It really does." So cute. She's like, "Well, it, you know that." If that's what you got to do, then that's what you got to do. And so I didn't apply to law school. I didn't do those things. And I took an internship on a congressional campaign. And I thought maybe I will go and work on, you know, in a legislative office. And that was an incredibly sobering experience as well. Um, politics is, is interesting. Politics is one of those things that, like... So it was no my, ever um, happy. you know, my junior year internship. And I, like I said, college was wonderful college. I had the best college experience. College was 
I mean, college was hard. College was hard as fuck. But, like, I did good. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Like, I got the true liberal arts experience at my state university. And it made me a better person. And, like, college... I'm the person that college was meant for. It was my path. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I, it's certainly not for everyone. And, and I am literally... Like, I will be the first person to say that. And... Like, whatever my path is, my path is absolutely not the right path for everyone, because I, my path goes around, like, if you see a crazy person driving around in a parking lot, <laughs> that's what my path looks like. Mine do. Still driving. No one's taken the keys away from it yet. <laughs> you know, spun out a million times, that's exactly what my what my path looks like. But um, my I interned on a congressional campaign, and, like, internships, junior year internships, you normally do uh, 200 hours and like you do like 20 hours over 10 weeks or uh, whatever, you know, you, you spread it out a bit. But this was an election internship. So I had to fit 200 hours in um, before election, which was November, first week in November. So I wound up spending like 25 hours or 30 hours there every week. And I had um, two other jobs while I was going to school full time. And it was awesome. It was literally the best semester I've ever had. Uh, And we went from the time I started that internship, I started that job, uh, working for a woman running for Congress, which was like, I mean, it was like dream internship. Yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I knew I needed an internship because like as a political science major, you needed to have an internship and like they you either go and find yourself one or you go to the internship class on the first day of school and they like have a stack of internships and they just hand you one. Um, Cause like, there's also like 30 things on campus that you can internship on. And the guy, the teacher was wonderful. And he's like, you know, I think I have the perfect one for you. It's for uh, a woman running for Congress. She's running against an incumbent. She's like totally your thing. She's pro-choice. She's just like, amazing she's fantastic you have to go she's like you know a 40 point underdog literally no one knows her name but you should go and it was an incredible experience and then we wound up losing um we wound up losing the election it was like my god there were like two or three hundred thousand votes and we lost the election by just under two thousand total wow and it was, um, like, devastating. Like, like truly devastating. Like, to the core devastating. To have, like, spent, like, 300 hours. Because, like, I clocked my 200 hours by, like, the middle of October. Because I loved everyone in that office. Like, everyone was my age. Like, those, a congressional campaign is run by children. Every, like, so if no... Every campaign is run by children. If you don't know this, every election, every election campaign in this country is run by children. Wow. Like in, in a very serious way, almost every single campaign is run by people under the age of 30, no matter who it is that's running for office. Mm -hmm. Everyone is a child. Um, (laughs) And so like they have to be though, because like you need to be able to work like literally a hundred hours a week and not sleep and be able to eat garbage food and not to take care of yourself. And so I knew um, after election day that I could not ever in my life again 
work that hard and care that much and be that close and then walk away with absolutely nothing. Mm. Because, like, it's the same woodpecker metaphor. Mm -hmm. It's working so hard and, like, nothing. Like, actually nothing. Yeah, that was part of, like, teaching for me when I took that guy's course and he was explaining like about getting specific about the activities of your day, what I realized is a lot of teaching, I'd be putting so much effort into reaching them or on a worksheet I made, which I love that part of it, like designing, again, it was that design call, but designing stuff to help them for them to either, for it to be there, either be too hard and they left it or too easy and they whizzed through it. And I found that like all the time I was spending was not materializing to anything. And for me, I realized that that was an important part of what I wanted to feel. Like I wanted my job to be able to accumulate into usable things. Like, yes, I think that that is absolutely what I need as like, like a personal love language is that I need my work to be cumulative Mm -hmm. and that like, I think that's one of the things that I love about working for myself is that I write something down and maybe I don't use it today. Maybe I don't use it this week. Hell, maybe I don't even use it this year. I mean, like, I've been going through some of my notes. Um, in a second, I'll talk about, like, my health story and why that's, like, really important mm-hmm. to, to this. But, like, I can work on something and it's mine. I own it. Like... I can always do something with that. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like the 300 hours I spent on this political campaign that I mean yeah, I learned stuff, but also like how many nights did I spend just putting pieces of paper in envelopes? That's, you know, that is a job. That is not that's not really doing much. And sure if 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 our candidate had gotten elected, that would have been one thing and sure that would have made progress in certain ways and not really growth in a way that you could have turned into a career right and yeah and, and i really don't see myself doing that i i, I couldn't see myself doing that mm-hmm. as a as a career and making that so personal and and allowing myself i mean i'm such a i'm such an emotional person and that's so personal for me that all of those things would go straight to me and like, I mean, they would just like destroy me. Like my whole, my whole insides would be just destroyed by that. Mm-hmm. So perfect segue into like my insides being destroyed. So, <laughs> um, one of my biggest life issues is that I have two, um, overlapping headache disorders and like, they really suck. And like, living with uh, chronic illness sucks and it's like this weird line of like am I a sick person am I not a sick person what is a sick person like what is a disability like what so like I get um so I get like PMS related menstrual migraines and those are pretty normal um as a like as far as like migraines go so like the they're just like however people see migraines but um the weird headaches that i get are called uh hemicrania continua and they are an everyday chronic headache and um 
without medication, they happen they happen continuously. And like on a pain scale of like one to ten, they're about like a two to three all the time. And like somewhere between three and five days. Yeah, three and five days, right? Somewhere between three and five times a day, the pain spikes from like a five to a seven. So before I was um before I met my amazing neurologist who changed my life and made me um happy and uh successful and a functioning human being again, uh yeah, I was getting these pain spike headaches, which last about thirty minutes, like three to five times a day, and pretty much non functioning as a human, which is uh as as a person who's been a highly functioning human for a lot of her life, um, it's really hard. And like, when you don't function physically, you don't function well mentally. And like, super depressed, and we moved to Michigan in that time. Wow, like, all of those things are really hard. Um, and I'm sure like, we'll get into it a lot more as the season goes on. And like, there's a lot of it in my art and my scrapbooking. Mm, that was what I was going to ask you. Yeah, I actually have an art journal right now that I picked up uh, that I have just for my headaches, um, which is nice because like it's hard to uh, figure out where they fit into my creative mm-hmm. life because like in some ways they're like omnipresent and always there and like looming large, and like I don't want them there and so i don't want them to impede on my like beautiful creative things makes so much sense and like on the other hand like they are there and they are true and they are part of my authentic story Mm -hmm. um and so giving them like their own place really helps Mm -hmm. and like having that little book um it was really cute i picked it up at the uh there's a design university in grand rapids and they have a shop Mm -hmm. and the shop has some art that some of the students made and there were some awesome handmade uh like mixed paper books yeah. and this one had some fantastic like uh doctors and like grids and notes and I was like this is the perfect you book. don't share that too much no no I haven't shared any of that oh um which is interesting yeah I don't it's one well, of your yeah, for so you projects I have like there's a lot of things that I haven't been like publicly sharing recently and like not on purpose. Yeah. There's just so like this is a good time to get into this, right? Like so I feel like when we moved to Michigan, I feel like I kind of lost my voice a little bit. Mm. And like I've got I've gotten into this a little bit on my blog over the last couple of years. So, um funny enough, California and CHA was very important to me also. Um, when we were in CHA, when we were at CHA, Jeff came to CHA with me. Jeff is my partner. We moved to Michigan so that he could uh, take this position, or, so that he could enroll at a PhD program here in Michigan State University. Um, we were at a CHA in California when he found out that he got in here. To Michigan State. So that's also when we founded my Are You Kristen Paper Crafts business. Two separate trips, actually. It's, it's funny. Anytime we go to California, 
wonderful and interesting things happen <laughs> trip planned for May. So I'm excited to see what happens then. It's one of my favorite um, places and I've only been to such a little tiny part of it. <laughs> we uh one of the best things we ever did was we rented a Mustang and we drove from Los Angeles to San Francisco along the coast. That's exactly what I want to do. Uh, it is uh like I had very high expectations for how awesome it was going to be, and it exceeded my expectations so wildly that I cannot even. Um, there's a monarch butterfly sanctuary along the road. Say no more. And, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so back to, like, being sick and that being, like, I don't know how to fit, like, what is sick? There are so many people who are more sick than I am that, like, so I can't drive. I mean, technically I can drive. Like, I have the ability to drive, but these headaches come on so fast and I'm on so much medication that, like, I think it's irresponsible for me to drive. And so, like, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, not driving makes it harder to have a job outside of my house. Um, and like all of these things played into like, what is it that I'm going to do to make money? Like, what is it that I'm going to do as a career? What is it that I, what is my, you know, purpose in life? Like, who am I now that I, you know, I don't want to be a lawyer. I definitely don't want to do politics. Um, I thought about going back to school, uh, PhD programs, um, I was working on my senior thesis and taking meetings with my advisor and looking into graduate school applications and practices, practice tests for the GRE and writing and figuring out whether I wanted to go into uh, PhD programs for politics, women in politics or women's studies. And then just deciding that like, why am I going to spend five to seven more years in school being poor as hell and then like get a job that's not going to even pay me that much more money and also I'm kind of sick and like having to deal with this being kind of sick thing that's just like this excess baggage and like not having answers like all along this time while I'm like trying to figure out what am I doing what am I doing what am I doing I'm dealing with this, like, baggage of being sick. Like, what is wrong Mm -hmm. with me? And, like, it wasn't until about, like... So I started seeing my neurologist about 18 months ago. Um, And it wasn't until about three to six months ago that we actually finally started getting answers and getting on a, a medicine regimen that made my everyday look a lot more normal. Was it about Um, persistent visits and persistent check-ins with her? Like, what made the difference with her? She listened to what I had to say. Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) Like, well, she, so, like, I mean, I've, over the, like, so I've started getting these headaches at the very end of college and then into my first job, my first real girl job, my first real big girl job at the census, which I had for about two and a half years, which is where I met Jeff. Um, And that was in 2009. So from 2009 till late 2016, I had seen probably about 
a dozen different doctors or, you know, what do you call them? Drug trial Mm -hmm. people. And no one had any answers. Like everyone was like, they're migraines. And I'm like, they're not migraines because they happen every single day. And I've had migraines as like a teenager, as a young adult, I know like that they're not just migraines because I know what a migraine feels like. And this is at least different. Um, And then when I went to go see her, I was like, hi, um, here's what I'm feeling. This is what I know. Here are all the things that I know. And she's like, okay, well, it could be this. So let's try this. Um, And then, like, the first things we tried helped a little bit. And I kept going back to her with, like, a ton of notes. Like, here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't work for me. And, like, we kept going back and forth with, like, the more detailed notes I was able to bring her, the better she was able to help me figure out the problem. Mm. And, like, when I tell you she is literally the best doctor I've ever had, I, it's funny because I go in there and she's like, Kristen, I get so excited when I see your name on my patient list because I know that we're going to get somewhere. Because I know you have notes, I know you're coming in, I know you want to get better. And... It's amazing what, like, two people can accomplish when you come at a problem, because, like, I know, like, I obviously never could have gotten to this place without her, but, like, every single time I'm in there, she's like, I never could have gotten to this place without you either, which is amazing, and it's wonderful, and it's just, like... You were both willing to put in the work. Yeah, And, and, like, this idea that it's two overlapping headache diseases, disorders, but I... I don't even know what to call them because it's like, it's just such a weird thing. Um, But the idea that this is now like a manageable thing and not just something I have to suffer through, but something that I can manage and control. It has made me that super person that I was in college and right after college. And this person that can like do work and create things and be that community. Like I just feel so much more, powerful i feel so much more in control i feel so much more capable again it's lightened the weight of the baggage yes and it's lightened the weight of the baggage so you can carry it a little bit yeah so much that's awesome and i love everything that you've been saying about like what are the tasks that you love doing and the tasks that i love doing are all about community building i love community and one of the other points that you made earlier about scrapbooking has always been about community for me. Scrapbooking has always been about women sharing their stories and like their design methods and their creative methods. And like, I know that I'm like super, you know, your story is important, but like your story doesn't necessarily have to be like thousands of words of journaling. Your story can be like, the selfie that you took a picture is worth a thousand words so like take two pictures that's two thousand words (laughs) (laughs) stories are so universal and there's so many ways that we can tell our stories differently that having a community where we're all sharing our stories we're just so enriched by having a diverse group of women sharing their stories, whether it's visual storytelling, like storytelling through journaling or uh, 
podcasts or audio or like however you want to tell your story, I want to create that space for women that those two ladies at that crop were like, oh, you know, you're just a narcissist. And like, you know, you're not really scrapbooking anyway. Um, That's weird. Yeah. I, I, it, it's like, what universe do they even think that they belong in? <laughs> but see, I, I've experienced I a little, like I've never experienced that it that directly, but no matter what you participate, when a group of women are involved, they want it to be clicky. Some, I feel like sometimes where something such as scrapbooking that should be so all inclusive and it really should feel like, Hey, you pick up a piece of paper and show me what you do with it. You're in part of the club. Like I really believe in the value of that, that paper play and any kind of art really has therapy that if you partake in it, you're in the club, like, and let's Mm -hmm. high five each other. But there's also a level that some women take it to become this type of click where they feel like, they make the rules and their head honcho and if you're not abiding. So, and I don't even think it's outspoken. It's all living in their minds with the other members of their clique. So yeah, I think any way we can debunk such a beautiful industry. Of, I think that's totally yeah. true. That's why um, when I created the Awesome Ladies Project, I came up with these rules. Like we don't do drama here. There are plenty of places to do drama on the internet. If you want to do drama and like, please, I totally get the need to do drama sometimes. It is, it is essential. Like I have specific people that I go to (laughs) when I need to do drama, but like, this is not the place for drama. We don't do drama here because this, when we do drama here, it like messes up what we do here. When we need to do drama, we go somewhere else. You might have a specific person you do drama with. Maybe you have, you know, your girls' night out with, like, red wine and extra big scandal glasses. (laughs) And that's where you do your drama. But, you know, this is not where we do drama because this is where we do, like, vulnerable shit. This is where we do stuff about, like, the stuff that makes us feel like... Vulnerable is the right word. Vulnerable is the right word. And I feel like what happens sometimes is people think that by exposing stuff or calling people out on stuff, hence what we call making drama, they're exposing the truth or, or exposing authenticity of how it really is. But there's such a fine line between just being mean and plus it's not your business to call out someone's truth. Like, I think that's where it kind of gets mixed and matched is that I think that's totally true. Yeah. I think when people are being dramatic, they're not necessarily wanting to stir up trouble. They just want to feel like they are the truth tellers, but you are not the authority on anyone's truth. And in the end of the day, like some places are just meant to be a safe place for, like you said, like Mm -hmm. people to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, And, like, I think that's another reason why I was so hesitant to talk about, like, my headaches publicly is because, like, so I call it concern trolling, Mm. where people are, um, like, if you're sick or if you're, um, say you're on a wellness journey Mm -hmm. and then you post publicly that, you know, you stepped out on your wellness journey and you're doing something that doesn't live exactly in line with your wellness journey. Um, 
or, you know, maybe in a way that just someone else doesn't agree with. And then you get like passive aggressive messages like, why aren't you doing this? Or shouldn't you be doing this? Or why aren't you mm. doing that? Like I posted a picture out of, love. of me. Right, out of love. I posted a picture <laughs> of me and a can of soda one day. And I got a comment of like, why are you drinking that if you get headaches? Don't you know that's terrible for your headaches? Like, what are you doing? Um, and it was just like really, 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 really long. And just like, I had, I just like, I don't have time for that. Like, and then I said, just like, kind of snarky back. Cause like, also I did not know this person. This person had never commented on anything at all ever to me before. So thanks for being concerned. You're gonna start with, yeah. Right. You're going to start with like, you know, all about my illnesses and the things that I should and shouldn't be doing for my health. Mm. Thank you. Um, I said, no, I'm okay. Thank you very much for your concern. Um, actually, one of the worst things for my headaches is um, stress and anxiety, of which I get a lot of when people are not nice <laughs> to me on social media. Um, thank you for your concern, though. And to which she was then very snarky back to me, to which I blocked her. Just I mean, like, you gotta, yeah. No time. No, no time. time for people to be mean to me on the internet. Just be nice. Be nice to people. And they will be nice back to you. And, like, if you think somebody is doing something that's unhealthy, <laughs> it's none of your business. You're not their mom. It's true. And even if you are, they're an adult. Maybe just, like, you know, take them aside after Thanksgiving dinner and say, you know, son, you know, daughter, have you been whatever insert, insert <laughs> problematic behavior here and you're advising to do this on thanksgiving <laughs> right absolutely drama that's that's when you insert the drama insert the drama on thanksgiving after Doesn't dinner our watch. When people have when people have had their their second or third glass of wine and their <laughs> stuffing and are about to fall asleep that's when you insert the drama oh god speaking of sick i'm like coughing up a lung so like as of right now where you are kristen right now with this great you know doctor that's helping you through that and like what you feel like you're doing now and want to do like what would you say i have not been happier since college wow like, this is where i am i am like so pumped i've like for the last I would say, like, so we had Awesome Ladies Live here in June, and it was my first live event that I put on. It was, like, this tiny little conference we had. It was amazing. It was a whole weekend. It was, like, a proof of concept of, like, yes, women want this. Like, there is, like, this space out here in the world that women, like, need someone to tell them, yes, your story is important. You need to be telling your story, like, I want to hear it. Like, I don't care if like literally like the 599 billion other people in the world don't want to hear your story. Tell me your story. Yeah. I'm interested because your story makes my story more important and I'm going to tell my story. Yeah. So please tell your story because it gives my story more context. And this was over online? This was like... No, this was in person. Oh. So we had people come in from all over, um from California, from Texas, uh, Missouri, Ohio, all from Michigan. We had it at a hotel. It was amazing. Oh my God. It was um, like taking you back to your crop roots. 
kind yes. of. Yes. Um, and I did four workshops. We had a full day workshop. Um, I made a, a workbook for everyone. I got it printed. It was spiral bound. It's amazing. So like, I mean, we're going to do another one in August. It's going to be in Ann Arbor this time instead of East Lansing. So it'll be a little bit easier for everyone to get to. Um, and everyone can just fly into the Detroit airport. It'll be awesome. Um, we've already started planning it. We're super excited. Um, but yeah, I am like where I want to be right now. And like, I feel really good about this community that I've created. I feel really good about the body of work that I've created. Um, and so do you see yourself as in more products from you or more of these type of experiential kind of trips or like a combination of both? I think that I see myself doing a lot more content, whether it's uh, writing, whether it's workshops. Travel is really hard for me right now. Mm. Um, I can't control my headaches as Mm -hmm. much if I do travel, especially air travel. Mm -hmm. Um, So any type of workshops have to be like local-ish. They don't have to be local-ish, but it's easier if they are. I see myself building the Awesome Ladies community a lot in 2018. Um, This big program that we're going to be doing, Book of Me, is like, I don't think I've been more excited for a program, I don't know, since like the first day of college? I've been building this website, um, I mean, I've been building our website for like a year, and it's Mm -hmm. awesome, and it does so many amazing things. It's a platform for women to have their own voice. Um, It's like everything has been so moved to Facebook and moved to Instagram and moved to these platforms that um, that corporations control and that like people don't control anymore. And that's filled with ads and that's filled with like um, all of these. They're they're so public. They're so Mm -hmm. um, everyone is there. And like scrapbooking is such a like memory keeping specifically especially when you're dealing with your own stories especially when you're dealing with selfies especially when you're dealing with like vulnerable content yeah vulnerable content like posting it on facebook is awkward it's not it's not like welcoming it's very like brash it's Mm. a it's it's a harsh space and so i I wanted to create a place where like women could come and be like okay, all of these other women are doing this too. Like, there's no one here that's not doing this. So, like, I'm okay to do it too. Mm-hmm. It's like going to the pool where everyone is already in their bathing suits. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fine to be in my bathing suit too. Everyone is already in their bathing suit. That makes suit. so much sense. I want yeah. to go swimming. Yeah. And so, like, I think it'll be awesome. Everything we have already is really awesome. And now, the community we have already. And now, so Awesome Ladies Project used to be, like you said, uh, uh, one day a week of just crafting, just like announcing to the world that we are going to craft on this day. And then all the awesome ladies would do that. But it's yeah. evolved from that. Yeah, and now it's a whole website uh, with everyone has their own profile. Everyone can direct message each other. There's a news feed where there's a blog. We have a VIP membership, um, that gives you access to, uh, our private content with forums 
and a ton of tutorials and there are workshops. We had monthly storytelling workshops this whole past year that are now available as self-paced workshops and they have private galleries, they have private forums um, where our creative team has put stuff, um, put amazing projects. And so it's turned into this whole like little private creative world for women who want to come and tell their own stories. Right, it's and private for them, but it, more. it's private for them, but it's also super inclusive, which I think Absolutely. is, yeah, which is like the best part of both. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, you get to come and belong to this cool secret club and we want you. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. And I feel like it's one of the rare things that I've been hearing about that feels like, yes, there are experienced crafters there, but we welcome you that want to try it out for the first time ever. Like, um, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's because I, yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's definitely like absolutely the case with like book of me. And it's like exactly what I'm going for with, and like, that's what I want to grow book of me into specifically. Like I've had the awesome ladies project for years. It literally started out like, um, I took a piece of paper in my bedroom back in New Jersey and I wrote down the awesome ladies project. And I was like, okay, this is a thing. I have no idea what it is, but it's a thing. Um, and it's grown and it's grown and it's grown and it's iterated itself in so many different ways but the main idea is still like as a woman telling your story is radical it is so important because so often women are told to just like be quiet go over to the side you know you know your story is just like everybody else's story and maybe we don't even care that much mm -hmm. um so just like or again, like if your story isn't husband, kids, perfect house, perfect ha uh, hair, again, people right. White are picket fence. Yeah. yeah. Right. If your story doesn't look like everybody else's story, it's not worth scrapbooking. And if your story does look like everybody else's story, why are you bothering scrapbooking it? Because it looks like everybody else's story. Right. There's definitely a gray area of all kinds of happiness. <laughs> right. And like, I mean, nobody's, seriously, please tell me what millennial has those things yeah. <laughs> or even wants those things anymore right no no that's not real yeah that does not exist so like and so to, to 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 keep like trying to make things that don't exist exist in scrapbooking and our art and like that's dumb and so feminist scrapbooking is about scrapbooking your authentic stories and if your authentic stories are that you live in your like 250 square foot Manhattan apartment with a fold out bed by yourself, then that's awesome. And if you live in like a 16 bedroom house in, you know, Missouri with five families and 37 kids, that is also awesome. All of these things are awesome. And like, no matter what your story is, like you should be telling it because no one else is going to be telling it. You are the best person to tell your story. And like, if someone else tells it, they're going to screw it up. Yeah. And like, like we, so don't, don't, we've don't talked do about that. this too, about how like you're solely unique, but you're also infinitely relatable. So there's that too. It's like, you need your unique story because other people will be able to grab things that they can use in their story. Totally. Yeah. And, and storytelling is about, you know, passing these stories down. 
and like I think it's so useful to think about passing these stories around as well and not just like down to the next generation but around and across and to see how like our stories reflect both our values and ideals and what we want and what we have and what we don't have and how our generation globally is similar mm-hmm. as opposed to like how future generations or past generations are agreed and i heard recently this podcast that austin cleon who i'm obsessed with um mm-hmm. he was on this podcast and he talked about how he watched his son drawing um a truck and what he noticed is as he was drawing the truck he was understanding the truck and that after he was done the actual product of his drawing was not what he was holding so dear he threw it and started drawing again because he still wanted to teach himself the truck so there's two like i feel like exactly what you're saying is true that this end product that you create is like universal and people can pull from that end product and use that end product. But also the act of manipulating your story teaches you more about your story and like it makes you able to extract the lessons. So I think both at the same time, like you need a community sometimes to help you do that crafting. Yes, that's that's like that's why we created the tagline for the Awesome Ladies Project is um, our goal is to make you the best version of your storytelling self. And, like that's like to you have to move forward like you're always progressing and like it's not to become the best version of your storytelling self because like you're not going to arrive there mm-hmm. it's the arrival fallacy again you're not mm-hmm. going to arrive at the best version of yourself mm-hmm. you're there's going to just continuously be best versions of yourself just like the iphone you're just gonna get another version. <laughs> just update to a new version of yourself. Bellinger sent me over the edge, and just when you're used to one version, a new I one know. will come out. That well, that's how it works. Just when you're version. comfortable with yourself, yes. And then it's like, okay, well, new change, ready to go. Let's just throw you for a loop, and just a wrench gets thrown in, like at your head. It's true, um, and the most. Oh my, you know, coming from my point of view, I'm sure uncrafty people, although I believe everyone is crafty, might disagree, but like spending time with yourself or with like-minded people and working through that via your hands is like the nicest thing you can do for yourself. Totally. Yeah. My dad, this is the one thing I remember my dad saying when I was like super little, he was like, crazy people make things with their hands. And I was like, that's so mean, dad. He's like, no, that's a good thing. He's like, look at all of the artists. Like, Picasso? He's like, look at Picasso's art. Do you think Picasso was a normal person? <laughs> I was like, hmm, probably not. He's like, that's true. Whenever I'm feeling, so whenever I'm feeling, like, manic or whenever I'm feeling super anxious, I make. I take my hands. And so, like, that's the, my Game of Thrones TV journal. This is because mm-hmm. crazy people make things. Mm-hmm. I had to keep my hands busy during the season of game of thrones because i was so nervous finding out what was going to happen mm-hmm. i was totally afraid all of my characters were going to die and it was going to be brutal and i couldn't handle it so i needed <laughs> to keep my hands busy but like work on something that i didn't need to look at so i made my game of thrones tv journal i love it and 
out of and, and that's what creative life is a creative life is just problem solving sure. and i think that's what our goal here is is to be awesome problem solvers with creativity and help you guys do the same Thanks so much for listening to this double episode of Crafty Ass Female on my Are You Kristen's Story. You can find me and Amanda and more episodes at craftyassfemale.com. Please remember to like and subscribe.